0: Welcome to the Connect the Dots podcast. Jeffrey Klein has conversations with a diverse array of successful people, sharing their stories to educate, inspire, and entertain. Here is your host, Jeffrey. My guest today is Mike Gabler, originally from Texas and now living in Idaho. He's the proud father of two amazing daughters and has been married for 25 years. He's lived all over the world and loves living life to the fullest. Professionally, Gabler is a heart valve specialist who has participated in thousands of surgeries. Most recently, Gabler won on the ultimate reality show, Survivor. Not only was he a fan favorite, but he also won. Uh, Gabler was the second oldest player ever to win the show and the oldest player in the new era to win. He left the game with many records, including the record for making the fastest fire in Survivor's 22-year history. And finally, this is quite remarkable. He gave away his $1 million prize in his father's name to veteran charities. While Gable was never in the military himself, he felt obligated to serve those who served us. Please welcome Gabler. Welcome.
1: Hey, thank you so much, Jeffrey. It's so great to be here. I appreciate you. Well, we're a huge uh, Survivor family, and I know
0: you were a Survivor fan, so uh, this is a real coup for me. Um, but I like to start in the beginning, so... Where were you born in Texas, and what did your parents do for a living?
1: You know, so my dad was in the military and then in oil. So we traveled around a little bit. I was actually born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but moved to Texas when I was just a wee child and uh, grew, you know, grew up there. We spent about over over forty years of my life in Texas, and uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, it's been a, mostly in Houston, but also Nacogdoches, Dallas. Been all over Texas. Um, and I am, I claim to be Texan. That's kind of what happened. So, <laughs> you know, you live there long enough. I think you just, it, it grabs hold of you. And your parent, what
0: did you did your mother work or was she? Uh...
1: Yeah, my, my mother was a realtor. And then she, cool. well, she stayed home with us. Mm-hmm. And then yep. she was a realtor. And then she stayed home with us again uh, in high school a little bit and, and uh, just, just takes care of my, my, my dad and my, and the family. Yes, yes, sir.
0: And I always, you know, point out that that's the profession that's probably the most important is the one staying home. And and we're fortunate that my wife was able to do that for a long time with my kids. And um,
1: absolutely. It's a difficult situation, you know, because, to, to, you know, you've got these careers going and you've got these, you know, really, really talented women. But, you know, somebody's got to have the children and then the, the children are your priority. Right. It's a big it's the priority. And we did the same thing. My wife, uh, Joanna, is a Ph.D., and she she was teaching at universities and working for ad agencies. And when we were having our children, it was one thing where she we decided it was just so busy and so hectic we were either going to hire somebody in, or you know do do it ourselves. But it, we we wanted to do that ourselves. So that was just that was our yeah. choice. And it's very difficult to do. But um, she's back on track now, and she's rocking it at an ad agency. So that's great.
0: Awesome. Well, I you know I, when people who are having children ask me about being a parent, which I is. My the most rewarding. I say it's the hardest job and it's the most rewarding
1: job. And that's kind of how I feel about my, me and my three kids. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and you, you, you you cannot prepare for it. It is it's kind of <laughs> like Survivor. It just, it hits you in the face and it doesn't stop until it's done. Till I mean, I just got one of mine launched off to college this year and she's doing fantastic. But, uh, and it does, you know, it's cliche, but it just goes by in a blink of an eye. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, my
0: twin daughters are in the process of applying for college and leaving next year, and I'm in denial about it. So, thank you so I don't my, blame you. It, it, leave it leave is, my son is still around
1: when they're not here. Yeah, that's true. So, what? Let's let's go back a little bit. When
0: you were uh, growing up in Texas, and um, if you know, someone asked your 10 year old self, like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" What was your answer?
1: You know, my 10 year old self wanted to be an international businessman. That was what I wanted to be because I we traveled around a little bit when I was when I was younger. And, you know, just being on planes, airports, and just seeing the world and seeing these amazing cities and cultures and cool things, I just pictured myself running around with a briefcase, being an international business guy. That was what I, what I was- International man of mystery, maybe. Uh, Absolutely. Posing
0: as a a businessman. when you were growing up did you have anyone in particular that you looked at as a role model whether it was you know one of your parents or someone else in the in your family or community that you're like that looks pretty you cool know, what they're doing
1: i was really fortunate I, I grew up with a lot of role models around me a lot of very positive people obviously my my mom and dad and you know my grandparents i had some coaches and teachers in high school that were extraordinary that uh you know one of my coaches was coach zo simpson he was a track coach for me, and I was a pretty crazy kid, and he, he just understood me and got me. So nothing's me. changed? Nothing has changed at all. Yeah, <laughs> I had more hair back then and not as much on my chin. That was about it. Uh, but, you know, having really positive people that believed in you thought you could do things obviously helped me out. And I've been fortunate uh, to have great mentors my entire life, honestly, even to this day.
0: It's it's huge, and and I think... I again, similarly, it was very fortunate with my family and very supportive, and 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 having that positive environment, it's it's a huge bonus, and it's, it's something that I think a lot of us take for granted, you know, um, and it's part of I think why you're giving back with such, you know, uh, remarkable in that way. Well, All right, know,
1: so it's a really good point, you know, because I think right now a lot of the the the. The, the challenges we have in the country are, are a lot of folks that, that maybe don't have as many role models growing up, you know, and, it, and it's it is hard if you're, you know, it, you don't know where you're going when you're younger. And sometimes if you've got somebody there to help guide you, it makes all the difference. So, you know, volunteering, I think, you know, you know, helping out any way you can in your local communities is very important. And I think the more you can do that, the better we are as a as a community and a country for sure. Yeah and, and then
0: again i think the job of <clears throat> the grown ups is to help share that with the kids and and so i've yes. instilled still that my kids say, like you know it's uh, important to keep perspective uh and give back in, in whatever way you know we get caught up very easily um, for sure for sure and it's it's uh it's important to have that perspective all right how did you end up uh from texas to now you're working in alaska and idaho as a heart valve specialist and, and i love that Phrase, uh, but it's it, it's a little mysterious in some ways. So it tell me mysterious. what that is. It is
1: mysterious. So I I I started off as a business guy. Um, I was selling, I was in, I was a, got into into sales, um, and then I was selling consumer products like you know, sunglasses and things, and I got into advertising. Uh my wife, um, when we first got married, we moved down to Australia and she was teaching at a university down there at Bond University. And being the, the the spouse, I got to go to school there for free. So I went and got a, a master's while I was down there and came back to the United States three years later and was, um, it was, we got back into advertising sales and well, it was great, but it just, just didn't light my fire the way I felt I needed to do something. I don't know. I just wanted to be, there's nothing wrong with it, of course, but I just was like, I wanted to do something more impactful in a more direct sense. So, I was talking to a friend of mine kind of lamenting the situation and he was a nurse. He was an old roommate from college. And best thing I knew about him was he could do keg stands really well. And, uh, and, and one day he goes, Hey, Gabler, you should come with me because he got hired by a uh, orthopedic company doing knee replacements and hip replacements. And he goes, Gabler, come with me. You might like this. So we got up at three 30 in the morning in Houston and we drove out to Bryan college station. And I watched a bilateral knee replacement and my friend Ned who was just kind of like a bar fly, fun guy life of the party. I'm watching him run around with these important surgeons, nurses and doctors and and, uh, and anesthesiologists and everybody. And you know, he's like a few more millimeters this way, you know, I think I, I suggest this, I suggest that. And, and we're running back and forth to the car. I was even running back and forth to the car, grabbing you know pieces and and, and uh, you know equipment for him. And um and they they had a chair for me because you never know how somebody's gonna react to surgery, right? So they had a chair in case I was getting woozy. And I didn't, which is ironic because if I give blood, I need to lay down. Um, but but I can watch any kind of surgery there is, and it just seems to be it's my wheelhouse. So I saw that, and I was fascinated, Jeffrey, when I by what Ned was doing, and I was like, that is what I want to do. And it's not an easy uh, industry to get into, but I did break into the industry about you know 22 years ago, and um, I worked with a company called Boston Scientific. Uh, doing a lot of different things and catheters, wires, balloons, needles, all different kinds of stuff. And then I got, there was this new technology called EVAR, endovascular aneurysm repair coming out. And I got in on I'm, that I'm on the cutting edge when it was brand new. And I was one of the first uh, people in the United States that flew over to Paris and we got to train in Lille, France uh, on the thoracic endographs. Um, and then came back here, did that for, for you know, six or six or so years. And then this new thing called TAVR was coming out, which is transcatheter aortic valve replacement, which takes a very small heart valve like this. This is what it looks like. This is what an aortic heart valve looks like. And there is it's bovine pericardial tissue. And those clear cells are for the coronaries. And you get a seal down here below. But this little guy, this is actual size this is actual size. I will crimp this down by hand. That's my job now. I'll crimp it down by hand. And it is so small, it's smaller than my finger. It will go over a wire, through your femoral artery, cross the, nat- the, the disease native valve. We'll rapid pace the heart because the heart's beating like this. And then we'll, we'll make it just where it's just like, it's just kind of shuddering. So there's no, no output. We will expand the balloon, crushing the native valve to the wall, take the balloon down, remove the delivery system, turn off the pacer it starts working again instantly two stitches in the groin patient goes home the next day and they're they're also semi-awake during the procedure there's no strenotomy there's no nothing it's it's closest thing to magic that's out there and i've been doing this for 12 years and i still get just fired up every time we do one of these because it's just such a, a very elegant and and meaningful procedure so that's a long story for a uh, for long answer but it was kind of a long pathway it's over 20 years of that.
0: It it, it when you showed me the little uh valve uh, for some reason I had this image of uh Tony Stark and Iron Man that you're taking this piece and you're
1: putting in it in someone's body
0: and absolutely and the magic
1: of, of doing that. It, it's the it's the, the $6 million man if you're old enough to remember what that is Boy, um, I loved it. You know, so it, it's, it's amazing because you've got four valves in your heart and we mostly work on the aortic or mitral valves, but we also do pulmonic and uh, and the tricuspid valves. But it's very, um, I just love it. And with Survivor, it's been exciting because there's been multiple patients who have, I guess, recognized me at this point. Or we've been able to use the Survivor uh, mojo to help them out. Like there was a lady who was really nervous about her procedure and she remarked to one of the nurses in the holding area. You Know i this has to go well because I've got to watch Survivor next week. And the nurses paged me and I went over there and I visited with her. And I turned the corner and I'm like, Hello there, Mrs. Mrs. So and so. I go, it's you know, I've got my beard cover on and my 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 cap. And she's like, Oh my gosh, are you Gabler? And I'm like, Yes, I am. So immediately her anxiety lifted. We talked about Survivor for a while, and I told her I'd come back after the procedure and we'd do her care her, her uh, we'd get a picture and so on and on and on. And then a couple of weeks ago, there was a patient that I mentioned, you know, they're semi awake during the procedure. They basically get a little bit of Versed and fentanyl and um, they're, we're talking. It's just like me and you are talking right now, Jeffrey. I'm talking with the doctors about the procedure and this guy, my, my, my valve table is like right over here where I put, they put it over. This guy's laying on the table and I'm talking to the doctor and he looks over. and He's like, are you cabler? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, sir. I am. And am I'm, I'm like, I'm like. I'm putting your valve together, sir, heart mouth specialist. And it was, he got a little chuckle out of it. And it was just like mind blowing. So it's been Survivor's kind of the gift that just keeps on giving because it's just a, it was such a beautiful experience. I love the show so much. And uh, people, I just, it's, it's great when I run into people that also love it.
0: Right. So speaking, that's a great transition into, I'm going to ask you a couple questions about the Survivor experience. I don't want the thought what this is all about, but it, it is a, uh, of interest to people. So how did you decide to apply to Survivor? You know, and you did it, obviously, a little later in life than, like, some of us are thinking about doing uh, What's the catalyst
1: to say, I'm going to actually send in the video and apply? You know, um, I'll take a little little blurb out of Soren Kierkegaard. He's a Danish philosopher, essentialist guy. And basically, you know, you've got infinite possibility. But if you don't anchor infinite possibility with some necessity, then it then you never actualize anything and I'm a huge survivor fan just like you are and my family watches it we watch it with the pause button you know like we'll pause <laughs> and we go okay what what do you think's gonna happen what do you think this is and I told my my wife and my family that before I turned 50 I was gonna submit an application so I was about 49 and 10 months and my <laughs> wife looked over at me and was like well Fifties coming up in September. What are you going to do? And I'm like, I guess I got to get this thing done. So I got up one morning early. Um, and if you, if you Google Gabler survivor, my audition video will pop up. It's got like 80,000 views on it, which is really wild, but it's three minutes long. Um, and I just got up on the mountain and was walking around and I did a video, um, send it in and they called me. It was crazy. And you know, how you always get all these spam calls on your phone. I'm just like, here's the 310 number. Here's the 310 number. And I'm kind of, you know, not blocking it, but just ignoring it. And finally I got like three voicemails and I'm listening to it. And it's like, Mike Gabler, this is Survivor. Call us back. And the <laughs> first thing I think is, I'm like, okay, which one of my friends is 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 putting pulling my leg here? And I didn't recognize the voice. And sure enough, it was um, it was this great lady that I've become very good friends with, and she was a casting director, and and the rest is history. Love it. Um, what did you find, you know, I know
0: people talk about the first couple of days being really tough, uh, and, and kind of your body adjusting and all that. What did you find the most challenging piece of Survivor?
1: Brother, it was a, it hits you in the face like a, like a, oh, I can't eat like a boxer, like Mike Tyson punch you in the face kind of thing. It's so you get, I mean, I've, I've gone like one day without eating food before I do a lot of serious backcountry hiking Elk hunting, things where I go for ten days. You know, I've got a pack and I can go walk for you know ten miles a day with a pack on. All of a sudden, but I have food. I have freeze dried food. I have water purification. I have all this cool you know REI equipment or whatever I've got in my bag. Um, On Survivor, you have the clothes on your back, and you you're there with a bunch of strangers. At first, it is one hundred degrees with ninety five percent humidity. Everything is wet and You know, when I left Idaho, there were snow flurries. I mean, there were snow flurries in the air in April when I left. And I get to Fiji, and I'm just sweating like crazy. And in the first couple days, the first few hours, I mean, you're sweating so much that because your body just doesn't understand what's going on. And you're sweating out all your salts, sugars, and minerals, which makes you delicious to the bugs out there. And then you have – we had bug bites on our bug bites on our bug bites in the early days. We also had – you know we got really sunburned we were extremely de- dehydrated um and the way we were we were getting water once we won our cast iron pot and our flint and the dullest machete in the world um once we once we got that we were able to split it up and you know some of the folks went and found some firewood to burn um we got a fire going sammy got a fire going uh ellie and janine were gathering some firewood and me and owen took the cast iron pot about 100 yards to a well, kind of opened the plywood top, had a ladle, and we skimmed off the kind of bugs and gross stuff on the top and got some cleaner water, filled up our cast iron, walked down the path as best we could not to, not to spill it, put it on the fire, let it boil, let it cool, divvied it up, drank it, did it again. And as you can imagine, this was no we, – we needed to be drinking, you know, a glass of water like this every few hours – and we were drinking about a glass of water like that a day. So the first couple of days we were just so dehydrated that we just decided we're just going to drink out of the well. And if we get bugs, hopefully it won't hit us until after we get off the Island. So we just started drinking water and we did rebound pretty fast. Dehydration was, was one of the hardest things. And the food was hard too, because, you know, right. Every we eat at least once a day, you know, most people do. And, you know, I would, I, the longest I went without a meal on Survivor, because on the new era of Survivor, if you don't find it mm-hmm. or you don't win it, you don't eat. And the longest period I went on the show was 12 days. And that's also why you're putting out thousands of calories of energy per day. And I lost over 35 pounds out there in, in one month. So you're
0: suggesting Survivor is a really good
1: diet technique. Man, I think I think, you know, I don't know that you can prepare for that. I don't know that you can prepare for that kind of hunger because I, I've i never been that hungry before. And I thought I was kind of a badass going into this thing and it humbled me, but I did get stronger the longer I was out there. That's a fact. I got stronger. My body got leaner and meaner and um, I, I felt pretty good. I think that's something that uh, I surprised myself. I didn't know I was... I could do what I did on some of that.
0: Yeah, I've gone through juice fasts and intermittent fasting and and nothing like what you you seem to be describing. Now, you you, you were a Survivor fan. So once you're playing the game, aside from the kind of physical parts of that hunger and, and your body, what were you most surprised by of your experience that you weren't expecting?
1: I was surprised by the friends I made on the show. They were, it was a season of beautiful people. I got to tell you I have lifelong friends from this. Uh, This season 43 was a, was a season of fans. So we were all Mm -hmm. fans of the show. We were all battling for to be the title of soul survivor and the million dollars, but we, we took care of each other out there. We were, you know yeah we went after each other we had to it's a game of attrition you know at the end there's one person left but um i was surprised because even to this day i am there's not a day that goes by since i've left the island and it's been almost a year now that i have i don't get a text or phone call or facetime from one of my survivor friends uh they are uh we have, they're a true, true family to me. And we have unique experience, even though it was a very, it's only a month long, but we, it was 24 hours a day. It was hardship. I mean, you know, Ellie and I on episode, you know, we had our rift, right. There was a rift between Ellie. If you watch the show and me and we had this, it came to a head on episode six and you know, we were knives were out, but we are very good friends to this day. She's a sweetheart and um, everybody just, I think that was pretty surprising. And then the other part was what I alluded to earlier is I'm stronger than I thought I was. Um, and I thought I was pretty strong, but I, but I was humbled. And then I kind of rebounded back. And that was another pretty powerful moment too.
0: So a lot of people must've asked you this and I might as well, while I have you, if there are a lot of people who wanted the unsurvivor, uh, what
1: advice would you give them? You know, uh, absolutely, and I do get this question a lot. And I'll tell you, if you want to do it, do it. Uh, go for it. I mean, I did it, and I got on the show, and I, I, I freaking won. It's on. I mean, it's it's like, and I'm 52 years old. I was 51 when I was playing the game. But I mean, that's one of those things where if you want to do it, take it seriously and do it. I'll put together a three minute video. I'll send it in. And, you know, when you're doing the video, people are like, well, my video is pretty elaborate, right? I mean, if you, if you watch it, I've got my goats in it. I'm like running around in Alaska. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. You don't have to do all that though. Carla, who was on the show, um, Mm -hmm. she was at her, her kitchen table, just talking just like this. Um, All I can tell you is be you, but be you on a good day. And, uh, and you know, that's it. Survivors looking for interesting people, who are decent storytellers and who are hardcore and aren't going to quit. They want, they want, they, they, you will be tested mightily. So you must be physically and mentally ready because Survivor is, is, I put it as a three-tier game. It is a physical game. It is an emotional game and it is an intellectual game. And you have to do all of this while you are deprived of (laughs) food, water, warmth, cold, everything. So um, it's a lot, but if you want to do it, Life is short. Life is now. Live it. Go for it. Okay, so let's shift back to Gabler the man.
0: So outside of Survivor, what's the most sort of surprising place you found yourself? You say did a little traveling. So the most, like when you're younger yourself, you say, I can't believe I'm here or I can't believe I'm talking to this person.
1: You know, um, I've been all around the world. I've, I've stood on the Great Wall. I've been in Tiananmen Square um i've been i went to middle school in saudi arabia i've lived in australia i've been all over the place um and all those things have been amazing but i'll tell you something funny this is kind of a funny weird thing like i can't believe i was there so i was in los angeles uh in 2021 in september and i mostly listen to you know classic rock or or metal um you know some reggae stuff i, I or you know bluesy stuff but that, that, I'm not a super poppy guy, so but I'm, I'm in LA at a friend's birthday party. Long story short, they have to get, They're both they're physicians, so they're going to they're going to bed. It's a it's a school night, but I'm flying out the next day at like noon, so I've got some time. And I'm in LA, and this is after all the you know we've been locked down for a couple of years. And I'm like, I'm gonna go see what's going on here in LA. So I I a, 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 a ping a friend of mine, and we end up bumping into some people that knew that had that knew a way to get into this album release party and i don't even know who the person is but i'm like yeah i'm, I'm down i'm down for whatever it is so we go there and next thing you know i'm i, I get to this party there's there's no marquee there's a huge line massive amount of people we, we force our way kind of get through the crowd we get in there and we, we're with these vip people so we got in and um i and i'm just looking around and the, and the people that at the club. It's amazing. And every drink I'd had up to that point in LA was like 20 bucks. Right. So I get there, I go to the bar and I get a, a drink and it's free. And I'm like, this is really weird. Why is that the case? And then this, this guy's on stage and it's probably one 30 in the morning now. And he's, he's, you know, rapping and he's, 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 he's on stage. But I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like that guy is hardcore. He's going to make it one day. That guy's going to make it one day. He's doing what he needs to do. And I feel obliged to go tell him that. So I kind of walk over and he's right there on stage and and it, it's like a, you could walk up on stage. The stage was like a foot high, and he would get off the stage, come down, and people were handing him roses and talking to him. And I'm starting to think like this guy's maybe he has already made it. I don't know. <laughs> Long story short, the next I take a picture with him, and the next day I text my wife and daughters in L.A. I'm like, I was at a party last night. I think this guy might be. You know, a, you might know who this is. It's in, it's with Lil Nas X, and he's he's incredibly famous. And uh, I'm just like. My, my my wife and daughter are like. oh, My wife goes, I even knew who that is. And my daughter's like, this is so wasted on you, and it, it was. But he was a really nice person. It was a great party, and I was at Lil Nas X's album release party in L. A. It started at midnight, and I got there about 1.30, Left about four thirty, and it was crazy. So that is one of the that is where if you open yourself up to the world and you're you know you put out good stuff, good doors just kind of open. And I got lucky because I just you know I love life and. Um, I I met Lil Nas X and we had a cool time at his album release party.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, and I love those experiences where you you don't even know you're with someone, but you you just let the humanity kind of connect you. And um, absolutely, yeah. You I mean, know. He,
1: he was up there, and I was I was seriously was thinking, I was like, God, this guy must be like the sixth act of the night. You know, he's up here, and he's doing his <laughs> best, and I'm like. I'm like, I walked up to him and I'm like, Hey man, I go, you're doing awesome. You're going to, you know, like I said something like, you're going to make, well, one day you're going to make it. And he, he's kind to look at me like, you know, and, and we were, you know, he was singing and I'm just like, I don't know the words. Cause I'm not familiar. Right. But I was just like, he's probably looking at me. Like I did not look like everybody else in there. Right. Everybody right. was like all these model looking people and stuff. And I've got this beard and I'm just like, this, so, you know, they all look great. I'm just like, he's probably like, who is this guy? <laughs>
0: Well, let me just ask you since you got my chance. So now you went from being just this crazy guy with a beard to being a celebrity. You know, people recognize you. How has that been for you?
1: It's been, like it's been being really in the exciting. The only people that ex- that recognize me are people that love the show. And that is, that is, so I love the show. So for me, like I was at the Seattle airport yesterday coming back from Anchorage and it's always funny because, you know, statistically about, you know, 5.8 million households watch Survivor, which is you know, extrapolate that maybe that's like 25 million people. So kind of like one in a hundred almost knows Survivor. So you're on a plane with 200 people. That means at least two people are probably going to recognize you. So you know, you get up to go to the restroom or you, you're getting on the plane. And people are walking by, and I do kind of stand out a little bit because you know my beard and my big nose and whatever. So people kind of look at me and they're like, so there's there, there three types of people. There's the people that are like. and you know right away (laughs) then there's the people that are looking at me and i'm like you know they're looking i'm like and they're like oh it's you and then there's the people that'll just take walk by and take a picture (laughs) i'm like just say hi say hi to me i don't want what that's the weird one but um it's been really fun because um i've run into a lot of really cool people that i would have never got to know and because it's a reality tv show they have insight into what i'm actually like you know they know kind of who i am and um they're they're you know everybody's guards down they're like oh hey it's gabler Are you okay and i'm like hey what's going on what's your name and we'll talk and um i've had some just i've really met a lot of amazing cool people just from being recognized on the show right, that's awesome uh so
0: putting survivor on one side you know that's that's a dream of a lot of people um but you know having a career that you love is also you know really important and And so, by most measures, people would say that you're a success, but I'm curious how does Gabler define success?
1: You know uh the harder you work, the luckier you get. I think success it can be defined in a lot of ways there's a a, a ton of ways um for me, I want my children to be to be happy and successful. I want my friends and family to be you know happy and successful um my success, when I, when I, when I have a goal that I go after. and I, I do have a lot of goals. I write them down and I go after them. And it, when I accomplish them, I feel a sense of, you know, actualization. I feel good when I do that. So whether it's like right now, I'm trying to get back in shape. Um, you know, Survivor was, was a harder beating on my body than I thought it was going to be. I figured I'd get back in June and I was like, oh, by summer, by the end of summer, I'll be right back where I was. Not the case. It just was a lot on you. It took a while to get back. So I'm forcing myself now to get back in shape. I'm just not about motivation. It's not about inspiration. It's about dedication. So you know, because motivation and inspiration are, are are fleeting, where dedication is your rock that will keep you. um You know, every day I get up and I'll, I'll do. You know, I do 100 pushups. I do my stretches, and then that's on even days when I've got surgery all day because I, you know, I, do, I may not have time to go to the gym, but I make sure I get it done. Um, I try to, you know, I set goals for myself, like, you know, read one book a week. Um, I read, you know, one medical article a week, um, all different. So there's a lot of different goals and things that I do. I'm very motivated and I'm a checklist guy. And when I check off all my checklists, there's something that makes me feel successful about that. So whether it's trying to save up, uh, some money for college and try to make, you know, thresholds that I'm trying to do for my, for my daughters, or, you know, I'm trying to, I set goals on my, you know, whatever it is, as long as I knock them down, I feel good about it. So I don't think you have to have, it doesn't have to be a massive goal. It can be small goals, but I think Mm -hmm. as long as you have goals, you can feel, um, you can feel good about accomplishing them. If that makes sense.
0: Completely. And I think, I think, again, I'm a checklist guy as well. Even just having those checklists, whenever you get to cross them off or tick them away, you get a little dopamine
1: rush and it's, it's, you know, um, it, it's so it's so true. I, and I've got checklists right over here on my desk, like all around me. There's like, that's how I do it.
0: Because,
1: yeah. If I don't write it down and what I do is every morning or every night before I go to bed or when I'm leaving my office or wherever my hotel room, I'm closing my book up. I will review my checklist. Everything that I was supposed to do that day, it's either got a check by it or it's got an arrow, and it goes onto the next day's calendar. And then in the morning, when I wake up with my coffee, I get up extra early, look at my checklist, and make sure I know what I have to do that day. And like you said, you get the you 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 check off those things, you get your little your little dopamine bounce, and you feel good because you know you're moving forward. You know you're doing you're getting closer to accomplishing your goals. Those checklists are important. Yeah, I'm I'm working with two of my best friends right now on
0: monthly goals yearly goals 3 years 5 years 10 years. i think um and a client of mine is is fame loves to share the the harvard study that says you're 90 i think it might have been 900% more likely to achieve your goals if you write them down and so i always encourage people you know that you absolutely know, it, yeah, it helps I, absolutely
1: um, i I'm, my daughters have heard it all they're like oh my god seriously seriously serious. <laughs> but it's like if you if you if i don't write it down I lose it. You know, I forget about it. It doesn't go, you know, if it, it doesn't happen. If I write it down though, it will, I, I will get to it. And you know, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. And if it's not, you'll find an excuse. And yeah. you know, that's just something that you have to do. And so if it's important, write it down, look at it, you know, twice daily, morning and night. And uh, more often than not, I bet you'll get there. And if you don't get, there maybe you'll get there it's still you're mm-hmm. gonna get somewhere
0: I always like that uh kind of corny uh quote which is if you shoot for the moon even if you miss you'll be among the stars
1: you know you know that was one of my coaches would say that and it's very true you know you're trying to you know that was back in high school um and I remember it and it's it that's a it is kind of a corny saying but it's been around and it's been around for a long time for a reason <laughs> and I, I think that you know aim high, and even if you miss, it, you're going to hit somewhere high, you know, it, yeah. and, and that that's what's great. So you doing what you love. You
0: one survivor, kind of. What's next for Gabler. Are you waiting for the? Are you going to go back on Survivor if they ask you to come again? You know, or what's what do you what do you think's next for you in in the heart valve you, you specialist know, world?
1: You know, I, I I love what I do. I I love um, doing transcatheter valve replacement, TAVR. And, um, I'm with a phenomenal company, it's company called Edwards life sciences, and we make world-class heart valves in which we take care of amazing people every day, whether they are, you know, the, we did a, a young mother of two recently with a, 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 a blood defect that, um it's a long story, but we, we had to do that. And she, we needed, this was the the right uh, device for her. We've done, you know, World War II veterans, uh, all kinds of veterans. We've done grandmothers, grandfathers. Um, it's amazing. And I just am blessed and grateful to be in a position to help folks and in, in this technology to, to represent this technology. Cause it's, um, it's, it's a it's a game changer. It's magic. It's so amazing when it works uh, when, when the patient qualifies for it and we do it. So for me, I'm going to keep doing this because I love I love this. Also, though, because of the million dollar prize, we put together a direct access fund, um, which is a with a million dollars just parked in there, and that guarantees that every penny must go to a 501c charity. Uh, currently, I actually have a a meeting this afternoon with an accountant and a lawyer to make sure that we are figuring out the tax implications because I don't want to give away a million bucks and then the IRS comes back and says I own 250,000 or something. So (laughs) I'm going to make real sure of that first. But the fun part is about to happen because we're going to start helping a lot of people, uh, veterans in need that need our help uh, with, you know, PTS, PTSD, traumatic brain injury, suicide prevention. That is what's next for me. I am so excited and so grateful for Survivor for – you know, this purse of money that we're going to get to do so much good in the world with. And I am, you know, I was not in the military. My father was in the military. I had a lot of friends in the military. But, you know, as you said in my intro, you know, I I never had the honor of serving, but to have the honor to serve those who served us is very important to me. And I'm very grateful for Survivor. And you know what, if Survivor calls me back one day, I mean, I am ready to go back in at some point. I'm getting back in shape. I will be ready to rock. The Alec Gabler strategy, it will work again. Trust me, it will. All right, now we're in a section where we're gonna try to somewhat
0: rapid fire. Uh, never ends up being that way because I my questions aren't quite right, but let's start. So if they made a movie about your life, who would you want to play you? I'd say Nicolas Cage. He's awesome. Um, should stories always have happy endings?
1: No, no. I think you know, happiness is never grand. I think that most interesting stories, there is a struggle, right? You 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 know, if it was like Gabler just, you know, he he walked outside, there's a rainbow, and you know, and then there's a beautiful sunset. That's you know, you want to see like, oh my god, there's a bear coming at him, there's something going on. So I think that um, you know, I think they don't need to have happy endings. Uh, because life is not always that way. But I think that that's part of the human struggle and why stories and books and movies are so uh, interesting and powerful to us.
0: We're going to get there in a second. Can you name a favorite emoji?
1: The thank you emoji. Very fitting.
0: Uh, Can you name one of your favorite songs or musical artists?
1: Anything by the doors. You're gonna say Metallica, uh, you know, do you have a- so anything by the doors? Metallica is my my favorite metal band. Um, right. and every, every day when I would go into the arena to compete on Survivor, you know, you don't have music the whole time you're out there, but I would play in my head the intro to For Whom the Bell Tolls, so it was like, so that was it. And it turned out me and Jesse had a thing for metal, so I we would do that too, but. I love the doors. I mean, you can't have Metallica without the doors. Um, I think, you know, I'm not always in a Metallica mood, but I'm Mm -hmm. always in a doors mood, it seems. I don't know. Do you have a favorite social media platform? Uh, Instagram and Twitter. Those are my kind of only two that I'm on. Um, Can you name a book that left a lasting impression on you? Um, I would say... man's search for meaning by victor frankel um yep, that was a holocaust it. survivor he was mm-hmm. a he came up with this thing called logotherapy which basically said that you know, as long as man can man or woman can find uh meaning in their suffering they can do anything and if you look at the grip challenge where i i broke the record on survivor um i was struggling in the first five minutes of it because you know you're holding on to it it's so painful and it's you know, you're, you're so spent i was competing against Cody. Because Dwight and Owen had already uh, dropped out, and Cody's a beast. He's a lion-hearted beast, and um, I—he probably would have won, except that I started channeling Mm -hmm. heroes and finding meaning in my suffering. And after about twenty minutes, I went from holding on with both hands shaking to one hand. And just, and I could have gone on for hours. It was one of the, it was a profound example of man Search, but Viktor Frankl's theory, logotherapy uh, um, theory from his book, Man's Search for Meaning. It's a great book.
0: I agree. I read it and agree. It's,
1: it's really uh, powerful.
0: Can you name one of your favorite
1: movies? Um, I would say Conan the Barbarian.
0: <laughs> I love but, it.
1: But more recently, you know, I like the new Dune movie a lot because I love the book Dune. I can't wait for the sequel to come out. And I, I just saw uh, the new Avatar movie that came out. I really enjoyed that too. All great choices. Um, is there one thing you can't live without?
0: Uh, my wife. I second that. Not your wife, my wife for me. <laughs> uh, if you could be credited with inventing something, what would it be and
1: why? You know jeffrey i'm not a inventive person i'm a creative person um i'm i wish i was an inventor i I wish i had that ability i know people that are that people i know people that you know like the people that came up with these these heart valves i know the the engineers and the, the people that come up with these these amazing gadgets but i'm not that yeah that's not my wheelhouse i mean I would this like this fantasy
0: so you could just not that you you might but if you could be credited with inventing something that already exists or something that could exist what would it be
1: I would like to find the if I was going to invent something it would be the, the cure for cancer it would be something something profound you know something that would be or that we could you know, do something you know or, or maybe paralysis that could you know fix mm-hmm. spinal injuries that could return people back to walking and things like that so I mean you know yeah. If I if I could if I could do that but but there are engineers and there are brilliant people out there that are working on that that have uh that are they're built more for that. I'm more of the creative type where you know maybe one day I'll 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 write a, another book or you know a great American novel. I I think I could do something like that. That's more my 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 wheelhouse uh being an inventor. That's a very special gift that 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 uh, that other people have for yeah. that.
0: I'm right there with you. Um well, this has been awesome. I feel like I could talk to you all day and and it's been a real pleasure. I want to give you an opportunity. So you mentioned um,
1: the direct access fund. Is there
0: a way if people wanted to contribute to that or know about it? Is there somewhere
1: people can find out more and get involved? You know, we thought about doing a foundation instead of a Mm -hmm. fund, but the fact, you know, where people could donate to. I think what I'm going to do, Jeffrey, is so there's a couple of groups that I am going to be donating the money to that I've already vetted out. One of them is the Veterans Exploring Treatment Solution, V-E-T-S, Vets, Veterans Exploring Treatment Solutions, Um, and they help out with uh, PTSD, uh, traumatic brain injury, and suicide. There's another group that is the Special Operations Warrior Foundation, Special Operations Warrior Foundation, and they take care basically from cradle to college of the children and families of fallen soldiers. Uh, That is another one for sure. So if you're going to be donating, there's nothing to donate to me, but there's these other groups. And if you follow me on social media and on, on Instagram, I'm Gabler Mike, and I've got the blue check mark on it. So Gabler Mike on Instagram, and I'm Gabler one Mike at Twitter, Gabler one Mike at Twitter. Um, And you'll, I'll be posting these donations and the stories with it. And if you're interested in donating to those things, you can find me on either Instagram or Twitter. And then if you're for fun, I just got on Cameo recently. So it's where you can call up and you can, you know, it's just a funny thing. If you know what Cameo is, check it out. I'm on there. I put it for 52 because that's how much I am. But it's a, you go (laughs) check it out. We'll see.
0: I will make sure those are all in the show notes uh, and uh, lots of fun to be had and lots of good to be done. Uh, Again, Gabler, I really uh, appreciate you sharing your story. Uh, It's clear you have a huge heart and you work in the heart field. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, And I (laughs) I want to thank you so much, so much. I want to particularly thank you for helping us connect
1: the dots. Hey, buddy, I appreciate you so much. Uh, Thank you for letting me on your platform. And I hope to be back on one day. Maybe we'll talk again after we, maybe after we do some of these donations and all we can come back. I would love that. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you for taking your time to listen to this podcast. Please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you don't miss any future episodes. If you could also do me a favor and please leave a review on iTunes, I would really appreciate that. Remember, story matters and is the best way to connect the dots.